Church family, um, we uh, stand when we read the Word of God together. So I want to invite you to stand as we hear the good news of Jesus and His kingdom. Our reading this morning, our gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. And it says that John's disciples came and they took John's body and they buried it. And then they went and they told Jesus. And when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. It is truth, it is life, and it draws us into your presence. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds that we might receive what it is you have to give us this day. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would grab a seat. Um, this has been a hard week. Um, our city was facing widespread flooding. Uh, as far as I know, uh, no one in our uh, Apostles community family uh, suffered any major damage. Um, and so I, I just want to praise God for that, uh, the Lord's faithfulness and provision in that. Um, but I know that that has been a part of this week for many of us and for many in our city. Let's just pray the Lord's mercy continue um, to minister to those in need. I, I also, you know, it's just been a hard week um, because this week we lost Charlie. And it's been really difficult and painful for many of us. I know some of you don't know Charlie all that well or may not even know who Charlie was. Um, just to help you, he was a founding member of this church. He served on our leadership council. He was a senior lay leader. I was talking with Terrell Glenn, our, uh, the previous senior pastor this week, and uh, he just said it so well. He said, Charlie's fingerprints are all over this church and the story of this church. And it's true. Charlie was a huge part of what God has done here. Um, he was a young husband, loving father, a good friend. A good friend to many, including me. 
and he loved the Lord. And so his death, it's hit hard, and it's a shock. <clears throat> we know he was sick, but it's, death is always a shock. <laughs> it's so unnatural. It is not what God intended. It is the consequence of living in a fallen and broken and sinful world. And so the right response for us as followers of Jesus is to grieve. It is to grieve. <clears throat> and so this is what, not what we planned on doing this morning, but I, I just I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what does it mean for us as followers of Jesus to grieve. Um, I take great comfort in John chapter 11, the story of Jesus and his friend, Lazarus, who had died. And, you know, the most amazing part of the story is, of course, that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And it's this beautiful picture of what God will do for all of us because what God did do through Jesus on the cross and by the resurrection, that we all one day through faith in him will have new life that can never be taken from us. But there's, there's a moment in the account where Jesus had just arrived <clears throat> and Lazarus has been dead for a few days. And there's a, there's a group that kind of comes out to meet him and they invite him. They say, come and see, Lord, come and see Lazarus. And there's this, this two-word little verse right there and it says, Jesus' response was that he wept. Jesus wept. And the crowd around him, it says, they saw him weeping and, and they said, see, do you see how he loved him? See how Jesus loved his friend. And the reality is that we, we loved Charlie. <clears throat> and so, first off, I just want to say, <laughs> it's okay to weep. It's okay to mourn. You know, I, I think some of us feel like we have to kind of hold it all together when we face things like this in our life. And in this moment, we may feel that, a tinge of that. I think especially, I don't know if it comes from our culture or from our church, but I think sometimes we get this feeling as followers of Jesus. When someone dies and we know they're with the Lord, we have to move immediately to, well, let's celebrate his life because we know he's with Jesus. And praise God, Charlie is with Jesus. But I just want to say, if if Jesus' response to the death of his friend was for him to weep, then we should weep. We should allow ourselves the space to mourn and to grieve. And so I just, if you need to hear that today, I want you to hear that. You are free to grieve, however the Lord leads you, whatever that looks like for you. But grieve. It's appropriate to grieve. There's another occasion when Jesus grieved and the verses I just read, it'd be easy to miss. I think I missed it for a long time. These little words that come right before the feeding of the 5,000 and the death of John the Baptist, they follow on that. And, and in the words that I just read, the, the followers of, Jesus, of John, they come and they tell Jesus that John, his cousin, has been murdered. And it says, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. 
You see, Jesus was heartbroken. He was grieving, and he needed to pull away. He needed time. He needed space to be alone. But, you know, what's interesting is he wasn't really by himself. I know that's what it says, he was by himself. But we, we looked at this this spring. We looked at what happens when Jesus withdraws to the lonely places, to the desolate place, to the Aramos. That he's not alone, he's with his Father. That's where he meets his heavenly Father. And so he's not alone. He's in his grief, he is going to the Father. Jesus' grief drove him to the Lord, where he could think, he could pray, he could wrestle with his questions. And I, I think in our grief, we need space. When we grieve in our lives, we need space to pray and, and to wrestle with our questions because grief brings all kinds of questions. And some of us are wrestling with difficult questions. Why did Charlie have to die? Why didn't Charlie get healed? So many of us prayed. So many of us believed that he would be healed. But Charlie died. And so I think it's tempting to ask what went wrong? <laughs> Whose fault is it that Charlie wasn't healed? And really, there's two options. We can either blame God or we can blame ourselves if we go that route. You know, Job in the Old Testament, he suffered great loss and was faced with this similar dilemma. And it's interesting to me that, you know, Job had friends, people in his life who came alongside him in this moment and entered into this moment. And I think they were very well-meaning. But they offered some really bad and unhelpful and ultimately ungodly advice into that moment. And in Job's story, I think there's a caution about the voices that we listen to in our grief. In particular, it shows us that the danger of kind of superficial theology, you could call it, that, that claims simple explanations, simple correlations between things like righteousness and blessing, suffering and sin. But correlation does not imply causation. And like Joe, we should be quick, quick to say in these moments, Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. There are things too wonderful for me, things which I do not know. I think Job models for us a measure of honesty and ultimately of humility and faith in the face of grief. And if I had to sum up just two things that would be helpful from Job's story, I think it would be this. One is that God is big enough for our grief. God is big enough for our questions, our, our doubts, our fears, our anger. And so I just encourage you, do not hold back from the Lord. Do not hold back. I, you know, I imagine Jesus getting in that boat after the news of his cousin and setting off into the waters and on those waters crying out to the Lord crying out in his grief because that's what he did in the garden he cried out facing his own death 
And God was big enough for Jesus. He is big enough for us. And the second thing is this. God is worthy of our trust. The Lord God is worthy of our trust in light of his infinite wisdom and his character. You know, we, like Job, we are called to walk in repentance and in humility, acknowledging that God is God and we are not. And there are tens of millions of things that happen every day in our world that we cannot begin to understand. And so we walk in faith that he is good and his ways are always perfect. And so that when we ask why, ultimately we must come to that place where we say, I don't know, but Lord, I trust you. I trust you. And so the question is, how then can we trust God? How can we trust God even when the circumstances of our lives tell us that we cannot trust God? Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, even when we chose to enter into sin and death, when we chose a life apart from the giver of life, that God, out of his great love for us, came after us, pursued us, gave his own son on the cross for us to rescue us and redeem us. As one pastor said, God's love is not always shown through sparing us from suffering and death. God's love is shown by giving us himself and all that that is in Jesus, all that is the Lord's is ours. He gives us himself. That is the love of God expressed in this world. And so when we pray for healing, and we prayed for healing, and we'll continue to pray for healing. And when we pray for healing, we pray that in the shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we pray that in the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We pray in light of the fact that, that we have a home beyond this life in the heavenly realms. And we will live and reign with our Savior forever and ever. We pray in light of that truth. So over the last six months, we, we have prayed. This church has prayed, and we prayed for Charlie. <clears throat> we prayed the Lord would heal Charlie. And you know, some might say the Lord didn't heal Charlie. I want to say he did heal Charlie. I want to say absolutely today, God healed Charlie. God healed Charlie the day that Charlie surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. He gave his life to the only one who could save it. And on that day, he went from, from darkness to light to freedom, to freedom from the law of sin and death. And his place with Jesus was made secure and nothing, not even cancer, not even death itself can take that from Charlie. Nothing can separate him from the love of God in Christ. Charlie once told me 
um, that when he first got his liver disease diagnosis, I think he was a teenager when it happened, and he lived with that his whole life, the knowledge that he had this disease that would most likely one day kill him. And he told me that initially he was angry with the Lord because of that. But that ultimately what it did is it set him on a path to surrender his life to the Lord Jesus. And so I just want to say what Satan meant for evil, the Lord meant for good. And used it to draw Charlie to Jesus. And so we prayed for healing and the Lord healed. The Lord saved. We prayed for the healing of Charlie's body. And I would say God did that too. Francis McNutt uh, has a great uh, perspective on this. He says, you know, there's healing on this side of death and there's healing on the other side of death. Because the Lord our God, Jehovah Rapha, he always heals. He always heals. And it's by the wounds of Jesus on the cross that we are healed of all our sin, all our brokenness, all our suffering. It is by the blood of Jesus that we enter the peace, the shalom, the wholeness of God. And so Charlie is now with Jesus in his eternal kingdom where there is no more sickness, there is no more pain, there are no more tears. And so we pray for healing and we will continue to pray in faith for healing not from a place of fear, not with something to prove, but with the authority and the confidence in Christ. We pray from a place of victory. We pray with Paul, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We also pray that the Lord God would be glorified it's amazing to me that Lizzie and Charlie prayed that prayer from the beginning. That the Lord would be glorified in this. And he was. He still is being glorified in this. You know, God was glorified in Charlie through the way he demonstrated Christ to those around him. The way he loved Lizzie. The way he loved his boys. Charlie was full of courage and faith and he trusted God even in his weakest moments. I would say Charlie was more filled with the Holy Spirit in the last six months than maybe at any point in his entire life. He told me, I used to pray for minutes of the day. And he's like, I've caught myself praying for hours now. He loved being with the Lord. To walk into that hospital room was to enter into a place of peace. Charlie had his moments of fear, but his faith in the Lord was unshaken. And every doctor, every nurse, every person that walked into that room saw that. They saw Jesus. And so we pray God would be glorified. And I think that's just the tip of the iceberg of how the Lord's been glorified. Not all will be healed this side of the resurrection. But all will die. And to die in a way that honors Christ, that glorifies God. And Charlie died well. He glorified the Lord.
So we want to grieve. We want to grieve well. We want to grieve like Jesus grieved. We want our grief to lead us to the Heavenly Father. And then just one more thing I want to add. And, you know, in Matthew 14, 13, it continues. It says, you know, when, when the crowds heard that Jesus had set off by himself across the lake, they followed him on foot. They ran around the edge of the lake, tracking him down, and they found him. And it says, when he saw them, he, he went ashore and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. When I first read that, I felt kind of sorry for Jesus. Here he was just trying to get away, to be alone with the Father, to grieve, and this crowd presses in. And it just, I was like, that feels like life. <laughs> that feels like real life to me when you try to find space to grieve and the demands of life just press in and life moves on. But put yourself in Jesus' shoes for, for just a second. How would you respond to that crowd pressing in on your moment of grief? I mean, part of me would want them to just go away. Say, really, Lord, now? Ministry, now? Heal the sick, now? However, Jesus doesn't respond like that. Jesus sees the crowd and has compassion on them, and immediately he gets to work healing the sick. If I can be so bold as to say this, I, I think Jesus' grief actually empowered his ministry. It, it turned him to the Father, and, and more than turning him inward, it turned him outward. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1.3, he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. See, we don't grieve as this world grieves with bitterness, with denial, with self-pity, with loathing. We, we grieve with hope. We grieve with hope. We grieve with the comfort of the cross, and so our sorrow actually empowers us to love and serve others. It makes no sense, but that's how it works in the kingdom, that we have received comfort, and we can share that comfort with others. All that hurt, all those emotions you feel, all, all of that, the Lord can take that and use that. And it's not because we're so strong. It's not where this testimony of strength, it's because we're weak. <laughs> We're weak in these moments and we desperately cling to Jesus. And that's our testimony. It's a testimony to a broken, hurting world that they too can cling to Jesus. And so my prayer is simply that our grief 
over what's been lost, our dear friend Charlie, whom we love, that our grief would lead us to the Father and that it would lead us to love and serve those around us and that through that, the Lord would continue to be glorified. So I wanna take a few minutes and you know, we're family. Charlie was family. And we're gonna have a, a service on Tuesday. Um, but it's gonna be, there's gonna be a lot of people. There are a lot of people who love Charlie. And it's gonna be a big service. But this is, this is family time. And so this is not to put anybody on the spot. There's no pressure here. But I did just wanna create some space. If, if there's anything that anyone wanted to share, maybe it's just a memory of Charlie, Maybe it's just to say thank you to God for him. Maybe it's just to offer a prayer or to share something that the Lord's done in your life over the last six months. I just wanted to create some space for that. And so maybe as you're um, thinking about that, I'll, I'll share one story that I thought was just kind of funny. I was visiting with Charlie uh, a week and a half ago and um, we were just talking, and he, uh, he said to me, he said, uh, he said hey, he said, um, you know, I, I, really, I really have, I, I want John Henson to come over here to the hospital. And I said, okay. I said, I said well, I know John would lo- love to come, you know, come see you. I, I was like, anything in particular? And Charlie goes, he goes, well, He's like, I've just been thinking about this a lot. And he's like, I, I mean, he's, he's really sick at this point, but he's like, I've just been thinking about this a lot. He's like, you know, I think it'd be really good for John's development as a pastor for him to come over here, for him to come over here and, and to have to like kind of sit here with me and talk with me. And I was like, I have no doubt that would be great for John's development as a pastor. <laughs> But I, I love that because it is such a picture of Charlie. I think Lizzie uh, said this uh, at one point. He, he loved seeing others succeed. He was such an encourager. He's such a, just a builder up of people. And so even in his sickest moments, he was thinking of others. He, he would encourage doctors as they came and went. You're doing a great job, you know? as you lay there in the bed. So I don't know if, is there anybody else that would like to share? Yeah, Peter? Yeah, that'd be great. First of all, I'm not sure I'm going to get through this, but there's probably 10 or 12, maybe 15 of us that were here when Apostles was started and uh, Charlie and Lizzie were one of those people. And when we first started meeting in homes, um, we were praying about where does the Lord want us to be and where does he want to go. And we were blessed to come together and find a, a pastor, Terrell, our first pastor, and started a church. And... 
I know that many of us had come from another church. We'd been in leadership positions. We knew how to run a church, but um, we needed leadership. And a lot of us were old, like me. (laughs) And we were tired. And we didn't want to work. So we needed some dynamic younger people who had leadership qualities and wanted to serve. And I recognized, I didn't know Charlie well. I knew his father-in-law really well and his mother-in-law and Lizzie. But um, I'd never spent any time with Charlie. And I started spending time watching him and how he just was a servant leader. And he was really insightful, really smart, but just, just you wanted to follow him because he was so humble. So I latched on to him. I said, we need you. We need you to lead. And everybody else, you know, just fell right in line. So I just want to praise God for Charlie and his leadership, his love, and his willingness to serve and for the inspiration that he was to me. Um, I was also one of those old people that helped start this church. And you know who you are. Um, and I got, I had the uh, amazing privilege of serving on the search committee that ultimately brought us David and Langley with Charlie. And Charlie was the head of that committee. And um, he exhibited the same kind of leadership that Peter saw in him. He was so insightful and so um, listening and would bring the different views and opinions together. And it was a, an amazing thing to watch and to see how he would, would raise questions in him and he would, he would call and want to know more about what I thought about something. And he was just so thoughtful. Thoughtful would be the word. You know, he didn't just blow you off and run over you and lead like that. He, he led with a real thoughtfulness, which I appreciated. It honored all of us. But um, what I want to say honors David. And David might not know this, but um, very early on, Charlie was our point man, and so he was the one who called the different candidates and would ask them questions and back and forth. And he, so Charlie actually got to know all the candidates way more personally than we did. But at some point, and I'm not sure when it was, but Charlie said to me, and it wasn't even decided who the pastor was going to be yet, but he said, as far as I'm concerned, I have a pastor in David Cumbie. He's already pastoring me when I call him on the phone. So he would want to give you that tribute, David, and he's not here, so I have to do it. Hmm. But bless you, you. and I know you pastored well through this last journey. Thank you, Kathy.
Um, it just reminds me, Kathy talking about that. Charlie was the first person I ever spoke to from Apostles. He called me. We'd scheduled to talk for about 30 minutes, first time we ever spoke on the phone. And <laughs> we talked for, uh, I think, three hours. <laughs> and I, just, I got off the phone, and um, I think I said to Langley, I just said, I said, I don't, I don't know if the Lord's calling us to apostles, but I could be friends with this guy for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, yeah, Logan. Yeah. Um, I, ju I just want to say, um, you know, getting to, um, getting to really know Charlie over the last uh, mm. five or six years, uh, uh, with this church, I was, I was telling my wife uh, what a gift that was mm -hmm. uh, to watch uh, not just the way he led, but just the way he treated people, um, the way he interacted with people, um, his humility. Um, we've heard a couple anecdotes about the way he, he you know, was a leader in this church, and, and of, of course he was. Um, but he poured into this church. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just a, um, um, you know, f filling a role or, or taking a piece the way that he really in the last uh, two years uh, since, since the search uh, for you, the way he just poured in and prayed over this church. Mm -hmm. um, and I love Terrell's comments, comment about his mm -hmm. fingerprints being all over this church. They are and they always will be because mm -hmm. of Charlie. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, so I think what, what I'd like to do is we're going to go straight into communion and just continue to worship um, and just have a time of worship and prayer. Um, and I think maybe if the prayer team can just kind of go ahead and move to the back and be ready for uh, folks. But I want to encourage you, if you need prayer this morning for any reason, uh, we have folks that would love to pray with you. Um, and we, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe the Lord ministers through his church. And so we just wanna, um, we wanna create some space for the Holy Spirit to minister this morning. And so we're gonna do that. Um, Ryan's gonna lead us in worship. John's gonna go ahead and lead us in communion. Um, and so if you just wanna go ahead and prepare your hearts, we're gonna take the offering now. Um, and then we'll go right into communion and worship together.